Let's move on to the reading of our text this morning. Grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 125. Psalm 125. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a paperback Bible in the pew back in front of you. And if you don't own one, that's our gift to you this morning. We want you to leave with that, take it, mark it up, and fall in love with Jesus in those pages. When you get to Psalm 125, look up at me and say, my help comes from the Lord. That was nice and unified. Well done. Upon the conclusion of the reading of the text, I will say this is the word of the Lord, and you can respond with thanks be to God. Psalm 125, a song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Westside. I looked around when Pastor... Tyler asked if anybody had lost any fingers, and I didn't see any stumps, so I'm guessing everybody had a good, safe Independence Days, and you're all here with your fingers and toes intact. don't know really what you do to shooting them off with your toes, but um, for, you, uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am Mike Pollard. Uh, my wife and I, Pam, have been going to Westside for about three and a half years. Um, It only took us about two tries to decide that this would be our new church home. We're privileged to be a part of Westside, be a part of community groups, be a part of leadership, and be a part of uh, being able to sit under Pastor Jason's teaching. Uh, We can also call today Pastor Appreciation Day. You will appreciate him when I'm done. (laughs) Pretty sure of that. Uh, there's an old saying that you don't know what you got till it's gone. Well, he's not here, and you'll recognize that shortly. But nevertheless, I'm glad to be able to speak to you today. Um, I think Pastor Jason knows some of the theology that I hold dear to my heart, some things that I think are foundational for me as a believer, have been foundational in my relationship with God. Came to, came to faith late in life. I was um, 45, 40, 47 years old when I came to faith, and there were some things that I think really... Uh, that, that was transformational for me. Uh, the last time I was privileged to speak, I spoke about who we are in Christ, and I told you things like, you really are clean. You really are holy. You really are alive. You really are protected. You really are accepted. You're forgiven. You're chosen. Understanding who we are in Christ because we are a child of him. This is what the scripture says. This isn't what I say. This is what the scripture says. This is how the scripture describes us as children of Christ. When Pastor Jason asked me to speak on Psalms 25, I was, um, I was like, man, that doesn't fit my agenda at all. You know, I want to talk about something I like to talk about. Well, guess what? When I got into 125, there was, there was some stuff in there that really kind of spoke to the other thing that's close to my heart. That's security. In, in my life, it's kind of like being, I, I can be a, a fairly good Christian most of the time, but 
I'm going to be a pretty bad Christian some of the other time, right? And so I had to come to and reconcile very quickly, you know, what does it mean to be secure in Christ? How does that affect my life, and what does it take for me to get to that point? And so it was, it was great that Pastor Jason said, I need you to speak on this. And I read it, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, I'm good. And, and we'll see if that was really the case. But um, I don't know a lot of you because there's a lot of you that kind of come to second service, and I'm a first service guy, so hey, welcome. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I'm going to kind of just run through the, the top the top level view of this spiritual, uh, or this, this series that we're in for the summer. So the Songs of Ascent are a special group of psalms, probably from 120 to 134. They're also called the Pilgrim Songs. Uh, Four of these songs, uh, or the psalms that are uh, ascribed to David as the author, one, author, one to Solomon, and the others are anonymous. Um, these psalms were written not necessarily as songs, but later compiled, and the Jewish people, as they traveled to Jerusalem or uh, for their, one of their three annual Jewish festivals, they would sing these songs on their ascent, on their climb up the hill to Jerusalem. I had the privilege back in 2010 to spend some time in Jerusalem and, and Israel and, and some of the Middle East, and, and uh, it's, it's pretty hilly around there, so I understand the ascent part of it. I did a lot of walking and was tired uh, a lot. But the, the tradition has it that the... the these songs would be sung on their way to Jerusalem for their festivals, and, and also that perhaps the priest would sing these psalms as they were climbing the steps to the temple. Each one of the psalms kind of starts with a song of ascent or uh, a song of upward mobility. Uh, like I said, they weren't necessarily composed as songs, but this is what they have uh, ultimately were used for. So today I'd like to kind of to use the first couple verses of 125 to kind of give some ideas of what does it mean to be have a secure life? What does it mean to live a secure life? And how can we how can we have a secure life? I will tell you that it starts with the mountains and it ends with the mountains. I'll call this we've got to have a title for a sermon. So I saw that I called it living a life without fear. Because I truly believe that we can live a life without fear. So let's look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. So what we, right off the bat, what we see is that those who are trusting in the Lord, there's a condition, it's called trusting, in the Lord leads to a stable life like the mountains that cannot be moved. Now, see, when the, when the psalmist, whoever wrote this, when the psalmist was a little boy and, and he started making the journey to Jerusalem with his family, he was a little kid, and I'm sure dad or grandpa or somebody said, look at those mountains that surround Jerusalem. Look at that. As he got older, that conversation would have happened as he journeyed to Jerusalem. He became a young man, the same conversation, the same mountains were there surrounding Jerusalem. And as he got older and had children, perhaps of his own, he would have said, those mountains have never moved. Those are the same mountains. See, that's, that's the point. The mountains don't move. With God, 
is the same way. He is stable. He is dependable. Hebrews 13.8 says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you're anxious and unsure with thoughts like, have I done enough? Am I really saved? Can I fall? Am I in or am I out? I mean, none of you have ever had that, I'm sure. But there is a remedy for that. And the remedy is found in 2 Peter 3.18 where it says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right there is the key to a life of security, of maturity, of freedom, help everything else. Here's your choice. You can rely on what you think. You can rely on what you've heard. You might even rely on what you've been taught in the past. Or you can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior Jesus Christ. Or to put it another way, your choice is to doubt the mountain or fix your eyes on the mountain and be transformed. Those are your options. So how do you get this stable life? How do you, how do you get to that point where you're not afraid, you're not fearful? Well, there's, there's one way that we, we absolutely should all be, a, uh, should be doing, and that's called being grounded in the Word. Being grounded in the Word can, live, can lead to a stable life. Psalms 119 says, Your lamp, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we are weak, it's often due to us not spending enough time either in prayer or in the Word. This may require you to set, set aside some time in the morning or in the evening or, or during your lunch break. It may say, hey, look, I need to be in a Bible study. I need to be in a community group. There's many ways to do it, but the overall focus has to be that the time in God's truth lights our paths and keeps us focused. In, Tim, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul tells Timothy, um, gives him a heads up. Basically, he says, Give, ground yourself in the Scripture, ground yourself in the Bible, for out of it will come the strength to do all things. The Bible is where our nose needs to be most of the time. I mean, it's, look, with life and everything, with kids and jobs, and we work, you know, get up at four and go to work and come home at seven, we're exhausted, we eat dinner, and we want to go to bed. Doesn't leave much time for scripture studying. Doesn't leave much time for praying. But we tend to trust what we focus on. So here's some, here's some easy steps to be grounded in the word. First one is to pray. Pray and ask God what he wants to show you in the scripture. Pray and ask him to help you overcome things that you've been taught, things that you've, been, you've heard. When I, when I, was, when I was saved, I, I, was, I grew up in a really conservative holiness church movement. I mean, it was weird. Uh, sorry, Mom. Um, but, but there was a lot of stuff that, that, was, that I knew was going to create major stumbling blocks for me. So I asked God, I said, look, God, can you get rid of all that stuff? Can you just let me start with a clean slate and just get to know you? 
So don't have to worry about whether I can do this or I can't do that or I can do this or I can't do that. Just let me know you. I prayed. That was my prayer, a specific prayer. That's the same prayer. That's the same approach you can take with God when you're wanting to be grounded in the Word. Secondly, observe. Observe the Scripture. Read, don't just read what it says. Read the verse in front of it. Read the verse after it. A lot of times we used to joke about somebody would, would quote a Scripture and say, well, what about blah, blah, blah. And, and to sound smart, we'd say, yeah, but it's the verse before that's really important. And we had no clue what that was, but we would say that anyway. But there is a lot of truth in that is that the, the whole scripture has to be. Read it, read it again in, in a Bible study that, that, that we're a part of. It's like read the whole book in one setting and come back and read it again and then read the chapter. So observe it. Be, be thoroughly engaged with the process. The third item, third way to become grounded in the word is to interpret carefully. There was a book called how to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It's written by a man named Gordon Fee. I think it's in its fourth publication. Uh, it's a tremendous uh, tool if you're looking at studying Scripture. Uh, it breaks down biblical interpretation into very simple terms that, that us non-theologians can understand. But what, one, of the, one of the things that it says is that a text cannot mean what it could have never meant for its, for its original audience. In other words... Just because it was said to them doesn't mean it applies to you. The key to good biblical interpretation is to start with the Bible and not your own opinion. Too many times we start with our own opinion, we start with our own theology, and we let that form the interpretation of the Scripture. Look, that's, you can find a Scripture for just about anything you want to justify about any, anything you want. When Jesus was being tempted in the desert by Satan, he was tempted by Scripture. Just misused Scripture. The last way to be grounded in the Word is to apply the Word faithfully. Application is where the rubber meets the road. It's where truth moves from theory to practice. A Bible open for observation and interpretation without applying it is just a decoration. The burning heart of application is, is the desire to act. Jesus sums it up in John 13, says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Information without application will not equal transformation. It's just knowledge. If you don't apply it, it means nothing. Next, we can move to a stable life by being focused on the mountain. The mountains, what they saw all the time as they were making their journey, they saw the mountains. Even, of the, even those of us who have followed Christ for a short time or a long time, sometimes we find it hard to stay focused on Christ. We, hard to, we find it hard to stay focused on what he's done for us or who he is or who we are. But what we focus on is what we trust. First thing is, when we're being focused on the mountain, we should focus on Jesus because of who we are. Our identity in Christ is foundational to how we, how we live our life. Look, if you, if you think you're a dirty, rotten, low-down scoundrel, you're kind of probably kind of act like a dirty, rotten, low-down scoundrel, right? Because that's who you think you are. 
When you're transformed, though, that's not who you are anymore. And I think if we start understanding a little bit about who we really are, who Christ says we are, not who, not who Pastor Jason, not who Mike, not who Pastor Tyler says we are, but what the Scripture says, who God says we are, maybe we can stay focused on Him a little bit more because we won't be paying so much attention to our own junk because that's not who we are. Anyway, but Jesus says, His Word says, you are really fully, finally forgiven. It's done. He says that you are accepted. You are complete. You're chosen. You're adopted. You're cared for. You're defended. You're holy. You're clothed in his righteousness. Staying focused on Jesus is infinitely easier if you understand who you are. We should stay focused on Jesus also because of who he is. Hebrews 12, first three verses say, Therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight, every sin which clings so close to him. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, looking to the mountain, because He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. We stay focused on Jesus because he's the one who initiates and perfects our faith. We don't bring anything to the table. Our efforts are nothing. We don't save ourselves. He's the one. He's the one that gives us rest. He's the one that first loved us. While we were yet sinner, the scripture says, he's the reason why we're here today. He's the reason I'm here today. We're living in a day and time where there's so much going on around us that it's, it's easy to lose focus. It's easy to lose focus on the mountain. So much is going on at church. We're all busy with activities. So much is going on at work. We've all got tons of projects. So much is going on at home. We've got tons. We've got kids. We've got life. So much is going on that we do lose focus of Jesus. We lose focus focus of what he's done for us. We lose focus of who we are. When things are going good for us, we need to focus on Jesus. And when things seem to be going bad, we need to focus on Jesus. When trials, tribulations, trouble comes on your life, you've got to stay focused on Jesus. When you take our focus off of Jesus and you put it on your heartache, when you take your focus off of your pain or off of Jesus and you put it on your pain, you're alone. When we take our focus off of Jesus and put it on ourselves, we do this despite saying that we know that he is able to do exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine. We take it off of Jesus despite knowing that he, that he is the one that can do all things through him for us. We take the focus off of him and put it on, I don't think he really, really can help me. I don't think he really loves me. But I have to tell you, you really got to put your focus back on Jesus. Jesus is the one that can sustain you. Jesus is the one that can comfort you. Jesus is the one that's made the promises. He's the promise keeper. 
Staying focused on Christ is often difficult, but it's an essential part of our faith. When we seek to grow daily, we anticipate life and suffering and things going on. Uh, we spend time reflecting on God's Word and spend time with other believers. We can shift our focus from ourselves to Christ and to a life committed to Him. The most stable, rock-solid people are those that are trusting in God. They're trusting in His promise. They're trusting in His providence. They are the stable ones that we often turn to in a time of trouble. When I was, I was thinking about the, 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 the stable people that I've been fortunate enough to be acquainted with here at Westside, the first one that popped in my mind was Miss Margaret. She stayed focused on Jesus. She stayed focused on Jesus when she was well. She stayed focused on Jesus when she was sick. Oh, it's, it, if we had more stable believers that we could stay, that we could walk alongside and learn what it means to be focused on Jesus. Secondly, we can live a fear-free life because we have a surrounded life. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people. Uh, God's compared to many things in the Scripture. For example, God is a consuming fire in Hebrews 12. Or God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That's in Psalms 46. This passage says God is like the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. Our God is like the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. This was the most special city to the Jewish people then and still today. And when the writer, when the author of this passage looked up and he saw the mountains, he said, that's the way God is. Psalm 5 says that God surrounds his people with favor as with a shield. Psalms 32 says that God surrounds his people with songs of deliverance, that mercy surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Psalms 33 says, Lord, let your constant love surround us, for our hopes are in you alone. Psalms 139 says, I look behind me, and you're there. Then up ahead, and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it in. The book of Job said that God puts a hedge around his people to protect them from the evil one, to protect them. The mountains offered protection against foes. That's, that's the visual image that we get. And when I thought about this, I thought, well, how can I, where's my mountains? I know God's my, my refuge. But where's my mountains? Where's my mountains today? And my mountains, my community. The mountains is my community. The mountains are my, the people that I do life with, the people that I walk up, the, the, what I ascend with as I'm walking my life. Those people are my mountains. We can stay focused on Christ by spending time with our community. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love. And good works, not, neglect, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Time with other believers allows us to be encouraged and to grow 
and also allows us to encourage others. When you surround yourself with your community, is when you surround yourself and ground yourself in the Word, um, you will grow. I I, I kind of look at the the process of being grounded in the Word and growing in growing in the Word uh, as when I was saved, when I was justified, I was a little oak sapling. I was a hundred percent oak. I didn't have any apple tree DNA in me. I didn't have any pear tree. DNA. I was all oak, little tiny oak. Being grounded in the word, studying the word, being grounded with community, being surrounded with community has made, has allowed me to grow, to mature as a, as a believer. That didn't happen in a vacuum. Our, our faith life, what Pastor Jason says, our salvation or our testimony is personal but never private. We don't live our, out our faith in isolation. We live it out in community. Finally, um, we can live a fear-free life because we have a secure life. And this kind of goes to the heart of the passage for me. Go back to the end of verse 1 and, and end of verse 2. It says, those who trust in the Lord are, are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. God can make you be like a mountain, also stable and secure, because he is your refuge and strength. Those who trust in the Lord have stability and security. They have all they will ever need. You are as oaky as you will ever be. You're an oak. You are an oak. If I, were to, if I were to poll everybody here this morning on what does it mean to be secure in Christ, we'd have a wide range of opinions. We'd have people that believe different things, different ways. We could cover the subject for weeks. We could do sermon series on it. We could do Bible studies on it. We could just keep going and going. Um, and, and at the end of the day, we might not still agree, and that's not my goal here today. But I do believe if you believe you're secure if you believe that your name isn't written on a dry erase board, if you believe that the book of life isn't worn out by him adding and taking your name away every time you're two steps from stupid, it changes things. This isn't a, this isn't a, a get out of jail free pass to go be stupid, but it's understanding the sacrifice, it's understanding the relationship that gives you the security. We don't need to be afraid of the past. We don't need to be afraid of the, afraid of the present. We don't need to be afraid of the future. There's a passage in Romans 8 that I think gives five unshakable convictions about a believer in the relationship with God. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. 
No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or danger or sword or nakedness? And it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, here it is, drum roll, big moment. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Soak in that for a while. Look, he gives, he gives kind of everything that's the worst. You know, you got, you got death and life and angels and demons rolling around. You got present and past. You got powers. You got height and death. And then he's like, well, just in case I miss something, nothing. Nothing. Look, God is for us. God died for us. God has justified us. God intercedes for us. Christ still loves us. God cannot and God will not fail us. Sometimes he'll chastise us. Sometimes he'll discipline. But nothing can separate us from him. No condemnation, no obligation, no frustration, no separation This is the greatest declaration of our eternal secure rights as children of God. Let's claim them, let's trust in them, and let's live that. Look, if you're a believer, are you trusting God for what he said he did and what he's going to do? He's not going to unfriend you. He's not going to block you. You're not on the dry erase board either, by the way. If we start from our secure position in Christ, a reality that nothing can separate us, then we can live a life without fear. Look, if you don't have to be worried about being excommunicated by God, kind of a big deal, right? I'm good. I'm, I'm going to be stupid today, God. Yeah, that's all I know. I know. I'll intercede. Guys. Oh. That speaks to my heart so much. Understanding our spiritual security has to move us towards spiritual maturity. Look, because you're secure, uh, doesn't, that doesn't equal I get to go do what I want. No, because you're not that little oak sapling anymore. Now you're growing in faith. You're growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's not who you are. You're not stupid. You don't do stupid things because that's not who you are. If you act a way that's contrary to what God says you are, you are an impersonator of somebody else because that's not who Christ says you are. When we trust in the mountain, 
when we trust in the word, then we can live our life without fear, knowing and trusting the only one who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Fear makes it all about you. But the security of grace declares it's all about him. Fear says, do, do, do. Sometimes don't do. But the gospel says, it's done, it's done, it's done, it's finished. There's your security. There's your life without fear. So here's some questions for the road today. Some questions to ask yourself. Are you really trusting the Lord? Are you trusting Him for salvation? Or do you think you've got to kick in a little bit of works just to make sure? Are you trusting Him to forgive your sins? All of them? How about trusting Jesus with everyday life? Distresses and strains of life. Are you trusting him for that? Are you trusting Jesus for the immediate as well as the eternal? Sometimes I think it's easier for us to say, yeah, eternal life, I trust Jesus that I'll get to heaven. And then we just back right out and it's like, I don't think he can help me today. But I'm good with the eternal stuff. I trust him with that. I just don't trust him with today. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abideth forever. As you come today to take communion, just take a moment to to remember that His love is greater than your failings. Remember His grace trumps your sin. it's his strength that makes us strong remember it's his supply that exceeds our needs remember his body broken that we might be whole remember his blood poured out that we might be forgiven this is done it's done it's finished he says remember me I'm telling you today remember the mountains remember your mountains Be secure in that. Be secure in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for the life-giving gift of grace. We're thankful that mercy is new every morning. We're thankful that you have counted us as your own. We're thankful for your holiness. We're thankful for your righteousness. We're thankful that we are secure in you. We're thankful that we can identify not as who we are, but as who you are. Lord, help us to take the security of of a believer to heart. Help us to make that a part of our common DNA thought process every day that I am secure in Christ. 
Lord, we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for all that you've done and all you continue to do in our lives. Help us to pursue you and to believe and trust in you. In your name we pray.